Hi, good afternoon. I'm Kishore Durg. I lead uh, the Accenture's cloud business. I'm here to talk to you about how we are looking at data in the cloud and how our uh, clients have leveraged the opportunity to uh, do digital transformation with data in cloud. Uh, what we will do today is I'll give you a little bit of perspective on uh, what's happening in the marketplace uh, in terms of data and cloud. Then we will have uh, Ken Schwartz uh, from Health First to talk about how they've done digital transformation with data and cloud. And uh, I'll have uh, Shail Jane join us again for a panel discussion uh, in, in terms of the challenges they have faced in, the, in this journey and uh, what sort of outcome they've seen. Uh, and uh, then we'll have a little bit of Q&A discussion post that. So let me talk to you a little bit about the data in cloud uh, construct in, in terms of how we are seeing uh, the market sh uh, shaping up over the last few years. Um, we've seen that the data volumes are increasing. I mean, we're seeing 60% increase in volume over the month-on-month uh, -month basis, and for 12% of our clients, we're seeing that it's growing by 100%. Now, a lot of the uh, inclusion in data and, and getting it into cloud is happening because they want to innovate there. They have a lot of applications they're building uh, which need a lot of data. And essentially, as, as our clients do that, we're also seeing a lot of challenges that come as part of that. One, in terms of our own research that we have seen, two, you know, two-thirds of our clients are not seeing full value, and uh, there are a lot of challenges that are associated with that. Um, as you shape uh, the future over the next few years, and uh, you see this uh, element of you know, looking at building a lot of uh, applications uh, in the future, data becomes very critical. Now, we're seeing in terms of the momentum for data, you know, taking complete data chains into the cloud is something that is being very prevalent right now. So what we will do today is I will invite Ken Schwartz, VP for Health First, to talk about uh, his own personal journey in terms of uh, his uh, uh, current role in Health First, and also uh, request him to talk about their journey over the uh, last three years in terms of uh, uh, their digital transformation and how data uh, and ability to leverage AWS cloud and what has that played in, in that journey. And uh, I'll also invite Shail Jain, uh, who, who leads our data business in North America to uh, talk about you know, what are the current trends that we see in the marketplace. Uh, I'll first invite Ken uh, to start with his uh, personal journey and uh, a little bit about Help First. Howdy. Uh, I, th I think I had sort of a, an interesting start to my career, so I think that's kind of what you're referring to. So uh, I, I just want to say a little bit about my history, how I came to Help First. I started out in uh, my first job out of college was with the CDC as a disease intervention specialist uh, in Chicago. This is in the 90s. And uh, I was part of a team of people that the CDC hired at the time to uh, work on to do syphilis and HIV surveillance. Uh, there was a big outbreak in the country at the time. Actually, the outbreak is back right now, unfortunately. But at the time, uh, the CDC thought that uh, it would be a good idea as part of their epidemiological training corps to take uh, some young, energetic people out of college and deploy us in neighborhoods across the country. And uh, we spent one day in the clinic interviewing people that walked in that had uh, primary syphilis, basically. And uh, syphilis is a big risk for HIV as well, so we were doing HIV testing. Had to give people 
positive HIV results, sometimes in person, things like that. Very, very kind of a stressful, hands-on frontline of public health. And uh, it really kind of taught me a little bit about population health kind of from a first-person perspective, what it really looks like on the streets. And uh, it, it turned, into be, turned out to be a really, really interesting job. So did that for about five years. Um, got very interested in technology after that and uh, moved on actually to a completely different industry, uh, the New York Fed, mm -hmm. and uh, did a lot of uh, interesting analytics use cases there, uh, working with some of the economists who were uh, talk about challenging analytics use cases, uh, trying to do things like figure out why uh, none of the think tank people at the Fed uh, thought really knew that, that 2008 was going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, and then using some new capabilities and new data techniques to try to figure out if it's going to happen again. So one thing we were doing at the Fed that I think we're trying to continue to do in our, in our current positions are uh, take different lenses and, and try to look at things that are intractable, large problems kind of in a different way. So when I heard about Health First, uh, I thought it was an opportunity to kind of come full circle back to that front lines of public health. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the company. Health First is the biggest not-for-profit uh, insurer in New York, New York City. So we'll get into some specifics a little bit later, but uh, that, that company and position sort of reminded me of where I started um, and allowed me to use some of the techniques and tools that we were doing at the Fed as well. So it's been, it's been a great experience. Very, very interesting. Very good. Shell, you want to give a... Yeah, so I don't have uh, an interesting story like uh, Ken here. Um, so I'm Shale Jane. Um, I run the data business group for Accenture in North America. And essentially what that is, is it's three things that we do for clients. One is data strategy. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on, what, what, what is data strategy. And then we help clients build modern data platforms, data fabrics, data hubs, whatever you want to call that. Uh, the third thing is we do something called intelligent data governance, which is to make sure the platforms that are being built are of right quality, right trust, right veracity, and they can remain so as well. So that's pretty much what, what the group does. And my background is I've been in technology for more, more years than I care to admit. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to have been part of a team that founded and built three successful technology companies. And my last company was uh, squarely focused on data and analytics, and that was acquired by Accenture last year, about exactly about a year ago. Actually, by sure. So, uh, so that's why I'm here. I'm and I'm doing same thing I did for ten years in a bigger and better way. So I'm excited to be here on this panel and uh, share some of my thoughts and and learn from Ken as well. Thank you, Chef. Ken, you want to take us through your digital transformation journey, Health First? Sure. I brought slides. They won't be too painful, though. Um, so I wanted to kind of, we're going to do a panel discussion in a second, but I wanted to kind of show you what this looks like on paper first. This is kind of what we put together to sort of pitch the initial project of moving Health First data to the cloud. and. Uh, as I was joining Health First, so, so we'll look at kind of what, the, what it looks like on paper, and then after we go through this, we'll talk about what it actually felt like and still feels like 
um, to do this. I think a lot of people in this, this room are probably going through similar transformations. It's not easy, it's not always fun, but um, we'll kind of step through our successes and our, our, uh, our learning. So initially, uh, when I joined Health First, so I joined about two and a half years ago. Uh, we were about a year into the, the cloud strategy, and this is what we were sort of originally sold. So I think if you're in the healthcare space, uh, it'd be very similar. You have data, data's kind of all over the place, source systems, um, on shared drives. And just having data doesn't, doesn't fix everything. You really need to get to insights, and you need to turn that data into information. We all probably in healthcare have similar data. There's medical claims, uh, pharmacy claims, care management data, enrollment and billing, marketing data. I think we're all kind of starting from the same place in this industry. And turning that into things like uh, risk score opportunities, uh, members moving, moving through products, uh, care management opportunities, HEDIS, gaps, things like that. We're all kind of starting to, from the same place, trying to do, I think, some of the same things. What we noticed at Health First is our data was in a lot of different systems, a lot of different data marts. Uh, we we're on legacy technology, so it was just really hard to get data out of systems. And what you saw analysts do is kind of pick little eye drops of, of uh, eye droppers of, of data and then kind of try to stitch it all together into reports and, and, and to lead to insights, and, and it's not good enough these days. So the really first thing we did uh, is just stand up a simple architecture. One thing that I think we've been really consistent about it at Health First so far is we have an architecture, a reference architecture. It's basically um, ingesting raw data, moving it into a refined state. It's sort of a zone-based architecture, moving it into a refined state, um, working with it, uh, getting into using use cases to uh, make it in, into a published zone, so the, the data source is kind of making sense for BI or making sense for a use case. And at that point, moving it over into an access zone so that your BI tools can touch it or uh, data science models or things like that. So that's the basic architecture we started with, and we've stuck to that. It's, it's really grown and gotten more complex, but uh, you'll kind of see in some architecture slides later. So the other thing I think when you're starting a big effort like this that you have to do is you have to sell it, right? Um, so we put together, I think, three use cases of that first year, and two of them were very successful, uh, really. All they were was, was uh, I would say, querying at scale. Um, like I said, we used to have to blend data from a lot of queries from different systems, very slow legacy, uh, legacy infrastructure. Once we put everything into Redshift, attached Tableau to it, um, especially with, I think, version 10 of Tableau when the, the Hyper engine arrived, you can get hundreds of millions of, hundreds of, millions of rows of data into a dashboard, becomes operational. So we started there, and uh, I think two dashboards that we had were very successful in, in uh, creating value for the company. One was just looking at uh, risk adjustment opportunities that, again, in the current infrastructure, it was very hard to find uh, potential opportunities, put it in a dashboard all of a sudden. There's millions of dollars of value um, that is now uh, automated, on demand, um, and, and, and that really kind of got us on our way. So that was kind of uh, the kickoff. Also, the company's really been, so Health First is a 26-year-old company, and like many companies of that age, uh, a lot of shared drives, FTPs, SFTPs, a lot of <coughs> legacy uh, interactions with members, legacy interactions with the state and things like that, so the company really knew that we have to set out on a digital strategy as well. I think the IMA 
project, which is the, the cloud, the, the code name for the cloud project, um, is really driving the digital strategy. It really makes it all happen. But we're really doubling down on our customers. Uh, can we get customer journey mapping in place? Can we uh, do next, next best, best actions for our customers? How much can we learn about our providers? Can we see uh, referral patterns and, and utilization patterns amongst our providers? Can we take the operational systems in the company and automate them and again make them scheduled instead of some, having someone kind of click a button once a week? You know, can, we, can we automate, can we be digital forward in our business operations? And then employees as well, just, just um, social platforms and things like that. Can we get our employees more digital as well? So you see analytics in the center here, and analytics is really kind of driving all that. So as we're creating new insights, the goal now is to get them out into the company through our various platforms, our various cloud platforms, and that's something we're really focused on right now. So digital strategy and cloud strategy kind of uh, aligning. So what, what is Health First? Uh, who is Health First? As I mentioned, we're the largest nonprofit health plan in New York City. Uh, we have 1.4 million members. We started in, I believe, 1993. We, are, we have a very interesting business model. We're owned by 15 sponsor hospitals, some of the big hospital systems in New York City, Mount Sinai, Maimonides, uh, Montefiore, NYU. And we have an interesting business arrangement with the sponsor hospitals. We actually share risk on our members that uh, if they obtain medical services at one of our sponsor hospitals, we share risk with, with the sponsor hospital. Um, medical revenues stay within the health delivery system. And we're both incented in the same direction. We both have the same goals, which is keeping, putting preventative treatments in place, uh, keeping chronic conditions under control. Um, it, it benefits both the sponsor and the health plan. So a unique system. We have about 4,500 employees, mostly downtown New York City. And uh, we, have a, we also are in uh, Lake Mary, Florida. So that sounds like a pretty typical, except for the business model health plan, I think. And what sets Health First apart, I think, is our extremely strong uh, local presence in New York City. So I hadn't ever heard of the company. Uh, honestly, I lived in New York City for 15 years. I hadn't really heard of Health First. But once you start knowing where to look or sort of seeing our logo, you see it on the subway, first of all. Um, like I said, one in eight New Yorkers are Health First members. In the Bronx, one in three are Health First members. Some of the most vulnerable populations, underserved communities in New York City, uh, we have a very big footprint. And what I think we've done really well over the years is uh, we're really, that footprint in the community, people grow up with Health First. Uh, they become parents, their kids are on Health First. Uh, we really have that sort of trust within our own community. Uh, we have 21, I believe, community offices. We speak five languages in those offices. Uh, if you go to a lot of festivals in New York City, community events, great example, the uh, West Indian Parade in, in, in Brooklyn is two million people, and Health First has a huge booth right, right at the entrance. So we're just part of the fabric of New York City. Um, I think it's really led to our kind of consistent growth over the years, and it's something when we think about data and things like data science, we really want to keep this trust in place, so we really are taking privacy seriously, taking um, AI ethics, trying to think about this stuff uh, right now instead of kind of waiting to think about these things. So uh, we take our brand very seriously. So how about analytics? How does analytics play in this uh, picture? So a couple things. I mentioned from, from sort of day one of, of the, 
the cloud strategy is just putting Tableau on top of Redshift is transformative for a lot of companies, probably some of you uh, in this room right now, similar. Um, beyond that, so sort of phase two, standing up our data science practice, going from, I think, a single data scientist with maybe two people sort of munging data for him to a fully, fully staffed team. Um, on the left, we have sort of the, the model catalog we're working on right now. A lot of it sort of similar to a lot of health plans probably. Of course, we're going to want to be predicting things like readmissions, um, medication adherence is very important for quality, uh, engaging people, engaging members for HEDIS outreaches and things like that. So nothing too unusual in our model catalog, but I think we're doing some kind of interesting things um, around things like social determinants of health as well. And the data science team is is evolving. Uh, we'll kind of get into that when we talk about environments in a minute. And then we also are, we, we also have an innovation lab and sort of a, a new capabilities approach as well. So we've been investing in things like uh, graph databases. Uh, it's it's actually kind of a passion back from the Fed that uh, putting putting data into a graph database and sort of representing the people's places and things of your business is a really interesting way to sort of provide that other lens to look at analytics. So we've been working on use cases in graph. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, 2020 is gonna be a big year for us to work with unstructured data. We've, we've done pilots already in 2019, uh, but getting our medical charts, uh, call center audio calls, uh, audio recordings transcribed, and using some Amazon technologies like uh, Medical Comprehend, um, Textract, to try to pull the data, pull actionable data out of unstructured data uh, sources is gonna be a big focus for us. And then I mentioned uh, social determinants of health earlier, so uh, another kind of interesting opportunity that we're working on is, is just, again, applied machine learning. So uh, if, if you're familiar with social determinants, social needs are driving health outcomes. We've, we feel like uh, in the, the 25 years we've been in New York City that we've sort of been living the social determinants of health. Our, our membership certainly is. So when we look at the data, we see only sort of sparse data on social determinants. You know, Z, Z, Z codes are used, I think, last year for our membership and only about 2% of uh, the claims. So we've been doing, uh, using applied machine learning to to impute what we think the real scope of social needs are, or at least closer to the real scope of social needs in our membership. And doing that will help us uh, strategize around programs, uh, deliver, continue to deliver high quality programs, and really know sort of who to reach out to for uh, certain opportunities, uh, housing needs, access to care, things like that in New York City are, are drivers uh, of our outcomes. So for the, a quick look at the architecture, I, I was telling you that we sort of have one key reference architecture, and it's, it's zone-based. So we take raw data, we ingest it from core systems, and then we move it left to right across the zones. Um, slight differences depending on the use case. But what you're seeing is sort of what we look like now in our analytics warehouse. Uh, we did. If, if you go on uh, YouTube, we did about two years ago, we did a, a series in, that Amazon puts out, This Is My Architecture. 
And you'll see what the architecture looked like two years ago in that, uh, if, if you Google that, or if you search for that on YouTube. So the really interesting thing is, uh, we did another one yesterday, and it's really this architecture now, and just seeing how we've kind of grown over the last two years. So in this schematic, you're looking at our analytics warehouse, and you're seeing three kind of instances of those, of that zone-based pattern. So we're taking data from our core systems, we probably have 80%-ish uh, of uh, core system data in our uh, landing zone. And then the top layer is the sort of R&D instance, and we do analytics use cases there to try to find new value, try to find insights to drive value. Uh, when we find things that are useful, they move down into the core zone, and they become more uh, part of the key core components of the company. Those go over with our IT partners into more operational data store that they're maintaining, which is very similar to this pattern as well. And uh, the data science team basically wants everything. So all of those, uh, all of those zones are going to be ingested into the data science uh, landing zone as well and move left to right there. All these zones have uh, guardrails in place, machines moving data on either side, uh, people work in the middle, especially in data science with feature engineering. So it's sort of a very flexible pattern that we're using in multiple cloud instances in the company. And what we're seeing really is the key to getting things going in Amazon, of course, or, or any cloud pattern, is getting these environments talking together, ingestion, putting the pipelines together. That's really the hard work to make this all happen. So that's what we look like right now. Um, and uh, I think we'll end there and go on to some uh, discussions. Thank you, Ken. I think uh, this is a fantastic uh, journey in terms of uh, what you achieved at HealthQuest. Could you uh, elaborate a little bit on uh, the challenges that you faced over the years in, in terms of how, uh, how you got into uh, this space? And, and you know, can you elaborate a little bit for the uh, benefit of uh, people here? Yeah, sure. I think that the, the challenges are kind of have been different sort of year to year, and I kind of grouped them by uh, the initial challenges, uh, first year, kind of second year, third year. So our first year challenges are getting that initial architecture in place. Um, like I said, proving out the value so that uh, leaders are going to be supportive of it. And doing things like attracting talent. Um, Accenture really helped us out with that. So we're hiring, we, we, need, we need access to data engineers, machine learning engineers, cloud practitioners. All these things that a 26-year-old company don't necessarily exist right off the bat. So I think the, the challenge of the first year is kind of um, getting those things in place, getting buy-in, right? The second year, the, the challenge has changed for us to, I think, um, more as more and more data is getting in the cloud, I think you're really exposing kind of some of the tribal knowledge in your company. So we've taken these disconnected systems, we've sort of pulled them all in one place, and guess what? Uh, people realize they've been looking at things slightly differently, and when it's all in yep. one place, like, who wins, right? So. Uh, I think these are good problems to have, but they're definitely problems. Sure. Uh, our first year, we were a big uh, BI shop and, and kind of putting dashboarding on things. So if, if the data management isn't there, the dashboard's just kind of exposing some, some of those issues. So uh, we like to say everything analytics-wise kind of turns into a data management problem. So I think year two, we really started to hit our data management issues and to solve them. Um, we had two instances of the cloud as well. so. Uh, one devoted to operational, and one one, delayed, one uh, devoted to analytics. 
So now you've got two systems that have to interact as well and sort of stay in sync and sort of all the learning there. Uh, I think the, we've evolved past that and the, the current set of challenges is now around getting all these insights. So we've, we've got most of the data, like I said, 80% of the data, we've, we've stood up data science. We're generating insights, we're generating predictions. You know, we've gone to predictive and prescriptive analytics but getting it off of people's desktops and uh, getting it into the pipes of the company is, is the real challenge right now, and that's, that's a considerable challenge. So again, cloud architects, cloud uh, ingestion, setting up APIs and things like that, doing this sort of hard work of getting these scores out to the world, mm -hmm. um, getting them into our mobile app, um, getting them into our digital strategy, uh, that's the real, the real challenge right now. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, as, as we look through you know, what you have achieved there and, and look through the challenges, I want to shift gears to Shell. Uh, you, you lead our data business group in North America, and what sort of trends are you seeing in, in terms of the overall data market, and, and where do you think it's going? Yeah, so I'm going to try to zoom out a little bit. Um, so we work with clients like Help First and, and uh, have seen a pattern trends sort of emerging. So, you know, initially we all invested in building these monolithic data warehouses in yesteryears, right? Um, then Hadoop happened and data science happened. So we all kind of jumped into that. And there were two kinds of initiatives. One was a business-led initiative in this world of Hadoop and data science. And that ended up with what I call the fireworks projects, where it's like a you build a specific data pipeline to service a use case, and you have fireworks. But they die. It's just like a flash success. Or there was a technology-led initiative where people say, wow, this is scale-out architecture. is cheap. It's all singing, all dancing, Swiss army knife, as Andy Jesse said today. It can do everything, so let's just build a data lake, and let's hydrate it, and hope they will come. Well, they didn't come, and it didn't really prove out to be. But what we're seeing now is instead of people building these uh, specific data pipelines and data lakes, people are investing in, our clients are investing in building data platforms, data hubs, data fabric. I mean, there are multiple names for those, these things. And what's really driving that shift is the different consumption patterns. So when you look at data, for example, right, data has different shapes, different speeds, it exists in different places, and it has different workloads. So today, it's not just about the rectangular consumption through SQL. It's you have graph databases, star schemas, snowflakes, so it's fit for purpose. Again, like what Andy Jesse said today is that the reason Hadoop failed is because he was trying to be all things to all people and doesn't really work. You gotta have specific platforms. So that drives the architecture. Then you have speeds. So you can have, you know, so Hadoop was great at, for example, these long running queries, but as people went in to replace their interactive database queries, they say, well, it didn't really scale. Um, and then they said, wait a minute, but I have, I wanna, get involved in this human, you know, post-digital era of human plus machine, where I have to serve insights 
in a real-time basis to a robot or to a surgical equipment. How do I do that? Um, obviously, the environment in scale. So there's a different speed, and it's not just about SQL. You, you might be calling an API you know, to, into, the, into, the, into your data environment. And then location. So with, um, it's not about consolidating data anymore. People are saying, I want to I federate my, my data environments as well. And especially if you look at the advent of things like 5G, it becomes more realistic that leave the data where it is and I'll just get it when I need it. Um, and then lastly, we all see, we're also seeing a trend in conversions of analytical and transactional workloads. So there are companies like Splice Machine is a company that has now come up with a product that actually doesn't matter to you. You can use the same database environment for analytical and as well as transactional. They call it HTAP or transanalytical. So, so these are things that are driving the architectural shift. Um, then we also see a shift in the data engineering as well. So like what Ken said before, anytime you embark on an analytical project, it's really about data. So you know, it's been said oh, time and time again that you need four to five data engineers for every data scientist. Very true. You look at any analytics project, you know, there is 60 to 80% of the time is spent in wrangling data, integrating, curating data, if you will. So we're seeing, and we're part of this trend as well, um, this machine-led data rather than data-led machine. So we've seen what data has done for AI and machine learning. Can we, can we apply the same AI power to data to, to wrangle this problem? So if you look at the data problem, it's like an iceberg. Analytics is the tip of the iceberg, and then you have all this volume underneath the effort that you need to put in. So we're seeing uh, stuff in that area where can I auto-discover? So, so the data is, is vast, fast, dark, and dirty, right? So can I auto-discover data? Can I auto-classify data? Can I auto-label data? There's a bank that we know of is investing tens of millions of dollars in labeling, proactively labeling data so they can drive more insights you know, from it as well. So can we use machine learning to do that? Can we, use, can we train machine learning to curate data? So every time a data steward goes and fixes the data, um, can the machine learn it? The next time it becomes a recommendation engine and then, then ultimately becomes more of an autonomous environment where it just fixes itself, like self-healing data. So, and, and these are trends that we're seeing and a small progress that's just being made. The last trend I would say is about uh, data strategy. Um, as data is becoming a conversation at the boardroom level, um, and the conversation is coming from different directions to the board level. I mean, they, they see what's happening in data privacy space, they see what's happening in data security space, but they also see that data-driven companies are valued a lot more. So the, the return on invested capital for a data-driven company is three and, three and a half times more than a non-data-driven company. So the board's saying, wait a minute, you know, are we really treating this data right? So that they are saying that do we have a data strategy that enables our business strategy? So a lot of people, as you know, 
they, they got into the habit of doing business strategy, right? Then they did technology strategy, then a digital strategy. But now they're saying, how do I do a data strategy that actually, to your point, bring together the digital, the business, the cloud, the IT strategy. So data is really becoming that glue. Uh, we've seen that trend. And what that really means is that you need to understand what are the capabilities you're going to need in this platform that you're going to build, right? And um, what is the operating model? And then what is the roadmap by which you're going to lay that out? And, and clients are looking for that at the CEO or CXO level as well. So these are the three trends. Architectural trend that we talked about, engineering trend of bringing AI into data, and, and doing top-down data strategy, uh, much with the same vigor and discipline that we've used for business and technology strategy in the past. So those are the three things that we see. Thank you. Thank you, Shah. I, uh, I think we covered a little bit of you know, what we have done in Health First. I think you talked a little bit about data trends. I want to shift gears and uh, what sort of outcomes have you seen in terms of your business for Health First? You know, where, where, how has this helped you? Well, I think even some of the first, the sort of early uh, wins, the early outcomes were, are exciting. And even something like uh, our probably first data science model, plan all cause readmissions model. Of course, everyone's at health plans are thinking about readmissions. So actually creating a model, uh, doing what we sort of had access to at the time, which is getting the model results run and into Redshift, putting a dashboard together on top of Redshift that allows our care management team to actually go in every day and get a list of members that are the most uh, at risk for readmissions, so visiting those people first. Uh, this is, it seems not that uh, transformative, but really, really transformative for our business. Um, very, very satisfying. Of course, we want to take the next step this year and get sort of all the automation going behind that so that people aren't going to a dashboard to get things, so things are going at the API level through various environments right into Salesforce and people, you know, we sort of automate that. But just that first step of actually deploying a model that actually changes the way that nurses are going out about their day and, and, and visiting real people, um, really satisfying. I think another sort of evolution of, of outcomes is we're now getting enough models that we're seeing similar things uh, appear as important features in different models. And to me, that really is starting to speak to strategy. So we're seeing, um, again, speaking about social determinants, uh, access to care, mm -hmm. and, and, and just uh, uh, transportation issues is a huge social determinant issue. So we see uh, distance, the feature distance to PCP in, in a lot of our models kind of coming up towards the top of the feature importance. And, and that really points out that that really is an issue. Even though it's New York City, just jump on a subway. It's how hard is it? But um, literally, we don't even have a sophisticated calculation. It's literally point A to point B. How close is the PCP? Um, that feature is popping up a lot. So uh, when we have meetings about social determinant strategy, we have, we're talking about uh, partnering with Lyft. So you know the data science comes in where we're not going to we're not going to have 1.4 million lift rides, probably. So uh, let's <laughs> let's figure out what 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 500 uh, members are going to most benefit from that um, if if we set up a pilot there. So really exciting stuff. Um, one other thing that I think bears mentioning, because I love it, uh, I love the graphs. Is um, we we stood up an in-house fraud detection, uh, starting off just in dashboards again. So we work with vendors on fraud, of course. You know, fraud is uh, people say for 
4% or higher of total claims activity, so the numbers are just stagging, staggering. And so we work with vendors, but we're kind of between vendors. We're, we're starting a whole new implementation um, with Optum on uh, the fraud system. So in the meantime, we stood up a rules-based dashboard, uh, and it was really to sort of enhance what the vendor that was going out the door was doing. And it became very, very useful. And uh, we've, we're putting that data in the graph and looking at things like community detection. So when we do community detection, just only knowing uh, how our providers and their business entities are set up via tax ID, we, so not even really knowing about the claims, uh, we already see that there's very high percentages of providers that are already being investigated for fraud that are, that are doing business together. Um, you know, the graph almost didn't know any of that and still yeah. it, it pulled out communities. Um, we're using the graph for some other use cases as well, and you start to see the same names of pop providers up. pop up, um, whether you're looking at wasteful out-of-network referrals that are potentially um, <laughs> something yep. going on, maybe. So those are, those are really satisfying uh, real outcomes. The fraud, of course, this affects all of us, um, from members to taxpayers. Uh, we actually removed 300 providers from our, our network this year just based on wow. this activity, so that, that feels really good. Fantastic. Now that's, uh, that's very good to know. Um, in terms of the future, where do you think HealthFirst is headed in terms of your journey? How do you look at the future for this? I think that it's been interesting to see the evolution. Like I said, even the architecture how things get a little bit more complex every year, and so we have sort of segmented zones now, and we, we have, you know, just things grow over the years, so uh, continuing to invest. We've had a really great uh, history with our internship program, so we really invest a lot of time and effort. This is probably one of the main tips uh, I would give people in the audience who are kind of looking to grow data science teams, looking to grow talent, is um, invest in your internships, uh, we, we really give people actual things to do uh -huh. um, that, that are going to be turned into production systems or production dashboards or production models later on. So uh, really enriching experience. So getting that talent in place that's going to be able to, uh, to maintain more complicated architectures and things like that. Uh, we have a bit, very open mind about tooling as well. So we've, we've invested in uh, AutoML. We work with, uh, we use DataRobot to do a lot of sort of, I feel like, we have a backlog of models this big, uh, maybe do AutoML on, on the sort of more straightforward ones. So uh, just taking some chances on some vendors, some platforms and things like that. We want to keep doing more of that. Uh, you know, fail fast, uh, fail cheap, that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what I see going forward. Fantastic. Shail, do you want to add anything on the future trends before we can go into the Q&A? I, I think I, I pretty much covered it. I, I'm really excited about um, you know, what the cloud vendors are doing, you know, AWS and, and others. Um, and I think competition is really healthy. So I think we're seeing more innovation that's, that's coming as well. And, um, and I think data has finally achieved its right place in corporate strategy. I think we've always talked about information age but I think we finally have come to that point, I feel like, where um, while Mark Andreessen wrote an op-ed 10 years ago, and his quote became very famous, says software is eating the world. 
I think we're living in an era today where data is feeding the world. Um, and I think it's being recognized. I mean, if you look at Andy Jesse's uh, keynote, I think a lot, he talked a lot about data as well. Um, and it, look at anything that's happening, any major trend, innovation that's taking place driven by data. And, uh, and people realize that it's really that, that not the tip of the iceberg, but what's underneath it. And there's a lot of investment going in that, that area, a lot of focus being put in. People are investing in things like data literacy because, you know, so you can invest in cloud because it gives you agility, right? But you're not gonna become agile if only 10 people are, have access to your data environment. So you gotta make it self-serve. Your data has to be self-serve. And then you also have to have a culture of data-driven. So it's a data-driven culture where how can I do two things? How can I improve the quality of the data that I own that's in my domain? Second is how do I use data to make what I'm doing better as well? How do I make decisions better? So I think that's the data-driven culture, data-driven literacy. So I see a lot of movement in that area as well. So really, it just, uh, very, very exciting time to be a data geek. What, thank you. Just to interject real quick, um, one thing that you made me think of, I know we've had conversations about this, is I see it in the cloud vendors and even in the work that we're doing at Health First is like turning, turning things into products and um, making it a little easier. So from an analytics perspective, turning a huge list of requests into, you know, maybe 80% 80, 80 of the requests are covered by, or uh, half the requests are covered by sort of a product approach of you know, solve most of the problems, have something that lives longer. And uh, I think you're kind of seeing it in the cloud vendors. I think one, what we love about AWS is that it's that sort of single concern, modular, yep. there's something that does everything, you just plug them in and, and play. But that is also, as we know, like I said, investing in the, the talent and the roles that can kind of put all that stuff together. So I think they're starting to productize the cloud and productize data services and just make it a lot they easier. Are. They are. Uh, all the vendors, competition, all that kind of stuff. So I think thinking about all this data stuff in terms of products is really useful. Fantastic. So what I'll do is uh, for the next five, 10 minutes, we will uh, open, up, open it up for any questions. Um, and uh, we have a few here. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I think compliance issues and, and governance and all that sort of growing, growing up into a repeatable, sort of safer, governed uh, environment is, is part of everything from the data management side to the data science side to the BI side. So yeah, and I think one reason that allowed us to grow and do new things is to sort of um, just do it at first, right? And, and then pulling things into uh, into controls, um, Tableau Server, and things like that. It's still a work in progress for us, but um, we're right now implementing our data science cloud strategy for, for compliance, um, making sure that, like I said, uh, people can do what they need to do in the middle of the, the zones, but every, each perimeter is, 
it's maintained machines um, moving data across perimeters and things like that. So I think it's uh, it's going to be a work in progress for all these these products and these approaches because they're so new. I was in software development earlier, and I feel like it's a 30, 40 year practice that you know we kind of figured out a lot of these things. It's brand new in, in a lot of these spaces. Uh, I think our tendency in a lot of companies is to do it first uh, so that you don't kill the innovation and then um, really be careful with, uh, you know, all of our data science output, we, we have people in the middle before decisions are made or before we contact a, uh, a provider and potentially put that provider on prepay because they're showing, you know, they're, they're 0.98 on our, our fraud score. We're, n we're not just um, automatically doing anything right now. Um, you know, we're, we're not a marketing company. We're not, we're not doing microsecond uh, um, anything right now. So having somebody kind of in place uh, as guardrails, people between the analytics and the outcomes is, is important at this, this space. But um, we're evolving, I think, is, is the answer to that question. We could have a question here. Can't imagine that being a problem. <laughs> you know, an another work in progress. Uh, I think the immediacy of BI and dashboards is great because it really does lead companies to be data-driven. But, big caveat, uh, gets to that tribal, it surfaces that tribal knowledge really quickly. You find out, it's like, I just want the pretty dashboard. I really don't want to tell you this business rule that's been in my head for five years that is actually the basis of that dashboard, right? And when someone else looks at it, it can be problematic. So uh, another, like I said, um, thing we're working on is, is putting more of almost an SDLC approach to dashboards and to, to building any kind of products. I think, again, moving to the product mindset of instead of running around and mm -hmm. uh, having a million requests and sort of I need this, need this, need this, because BI does seem simple, right? Reporting does seem simple. It's really not that simple. So I think moving towards a, uh, a real product manager mindset of like, let's take these requests, shrink them down, get serious about them, write down the, um, I mean, we really have, have moved to, uh, to BRDs and things like that for any project in this literally past six months. And that's painful. It's painful for us sometimes, uh, for, for our staff. So, um, but getting some discipline, getting industrial strength around even a simple dashboard, I think hugely important. Very good. So question here. Sorry to interrupt you. Can I ask you to use this so we can Sure. Uh, OK, I'll start again. Uh, I'm Rob Vittori from Change Healthcare. So we move a lot of data for the industry and all that. Just mm -hmm. want to be upfront. We work a little bit with health, health first here and there. So, But uh, one thing I saw unique there was the fact that you're owned by the 15-member hospitals. 
And a lot of the data that you have, especially when it's at-risk patients, we know that getting that data out to the provider is important. But now we have HIPAA still, you know, we still have HIPAA. We still have, you know, quite a lot of privacy laws and all that. And that's, that's going to compound itself, I think, in, in my opinion, in, in the future, because people are scared of data. As we heard this gentleman here, you know, just within your own organization, they're scared of data. So I was wondering if Health First and even Accenture, have you, what are you thinking about how can we get this data moving, all right? That helped my company. We've got a lot of data. Uh, we get a lot of insights from that data. You know, we sell it back to our customers, of course. Uh, but getting that out to the provider, um, you know, even something simple, are all your hospitals on the same EMR system? You know, no, they're probably not. Epic, Cerner, and then there's, you know, several others in there. Uh, so, that, you know, we, you got to build interoperability, but then there's the, you know, I'm getting to the, Oh, sorry, a little long-winded, but getting to the point, have you thought about how are we going to be able to get that data and, and deal with these privacy laws? Because, you know, as a patient, if, you know, I'm high risk, I, you know, I go to the emergency room, I'm, I've got, you know, some heart problems, I'd like that, that doctor to know my whole history, everything, and if I'm at risk that, you know, maybe they'll pr choose one procedure instead of another if they had that data. Uh, from our perspective, I think, you know, it has to be safely, though, and, and so it depends on the data. Um, I know we've been, it's been slow moving to get HIE data into our analytics environment, things like that, because we're setting up VPNs and we're setting up very secure tunnels and things like that uh, for, for that data. So we can get frustrated sort of from an expediency. We just want the data, right? Um, data that's less secure, uh, I think the cloud patterns, APIs, machines exchanging data with machines, with keys and things like that. It could be exciting opportunities, writing API level. You know, like I said, it's like SFTP a lot right now with, with our provider, even our sponsor providers. But the data is, it's really important. Social determinants data, this is, you know, extremely sensitive and we just have to really be, put privacy first and, and just kind of, I think, let the systems, the, the right patterns emerge for exchanging. Um, I think one really unique thing about Health First is that we have, can have bi-directional, you know, uh, sponsor, so our members that go to that sponsor hospital, we're, we're really free to share data. So um, the social determinants data we get, they, they fill out surveys actually, so they're self-reporting um, social determinants. That's really great for us to check our models, validate our models, um, and then actually start training our models on that data. So, but setting up the exchanges, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty old school right now. I'd love to see more API level uh, as, as we evolve. Yeah, so I think we're, we're seeing a, uh, a conversation that's emerging about trust and transparency as well, um, where I think we've gone from a world of no privacy to complete privacy, if you will, to the point that nobody trusts anybody else. So there's a company that you know, Ken and I both have met with, and it's called humanity.co, right? And this company is, is, their claim is that on an average United States, there are people hitting, I accept a billion times, but they don't know what they're really signing up for. So can we just demystify that to say, this is, I will allow you to access this data for this, or for example, in the healthcare, you can use my data for clinical trials that I'm enrolled in, period, okay? Or you can use my data as long as it's anonymized, or you can use my data at an aggregate level, if you will. So if you can provide a demystification of I accepts, 
I think there'd be more transparency and people be more open because like you said, like I'm, I'm a patient, I wanna share my data, right? I want to, and, and I think there is, um, as they've done some research, as companies done the research and they found that people are more willing to share data as long as they, they know who's gonna use it for what. So there are, you know, this is not about regulations like GDPR or CCPA, this is really more about um, from C to B rather than B to C, right? To say, yes, as long as you tell me what you're gonna do with it, I, I will let you, you know, do it. So I think that would go a long way in trying to solve some of the problems. And then there are other things that are, that are happening s slow, but I mean, I, this, this thing that just happened with Google and Ascension Health, right? Um, and I'm really, you know, torn between it because I think if it does happen, this will just, um, be a, an inflection point in use of data to improve healthcare, um, but at the same time, it's got to be protected as well. Um, so, but there are things like that that would that would move the needle like really quickly, um, as well. Question here. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm from Johnson and Johnson, which is a combination of 200 plus companies, right? So in our case, uh, data scientists are out in the business units and there's 200 business units, and they're all out there in the field, right? And to one person, it's Python, one person, it's R, one person is modeling, and for seven person, it's Tableau reports are data science. And it's very hard to put a handle around it and some structure around it. So how do you deal with that, or have you had that kind of a challenge? And that's both uh, Health First and Accenture. Yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of evolving that, or living that as well right now, so we became, we were actually, our analytics team was embedded in clinical, which is the biggest uh, business unit as of about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And then we became enterprise analytics, but we, so we've been experimenting with that model. We didn't centralize everybody who does analytics all in one shop. Um, it, we, we sort of uh, went with the federated model. So the exception to that is data science though, I think. So we wanna empower people, first of all, I don't think we want every analytics request in the whole company and, or reporting request in the whole company. We'd rather empower people, especially when we're still in this data transformation um, space where some of the data is still kind of splashed all over the place. So um, we report on what's, what we sort of know, which is centralized, right? And we want to empower people that are outside of the central analytics through community, through um, sort of teaching, tooling. Um, we wanna keep them connected to what we're doing in central analytics. So that, that's really what we're kind of pointing towards right now. The exception to that, I think, is data science. I don't think we want data science. That's the one thing we're adamant is fully centralized. Of course, you know, like citizens, ML and citizens, data science is really happening too. So people are meeting with us and saying, hey, this platform has AI, you know, we're, we're, we're doing, um, Qualtrics or something, Qualtrics has AI. And we're kind of like, that's great, but we need all that data. Um, we need the outputs of any kind of citizens AI models that are going on into our environment. So this is 100% gonna be centralized data science. That's the kind of, um, that, that's what we're uh, going with right now. Good afternoon, I uh, really enjoyed the session thus far. Uh, interoperability continues to be a big challenge in healthcare, and I was wondering if anyone on the panel could comment uh, how they see fire fitting into the data strategy, the data model. Um, 
where you're specifically at in your fire journey and how you might see fire changing the landscape, um, maybe a regentrification of rios and exchanges and things like that in the market. I don't know what fire is. I don't either. I think it can only help because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about it. I'm sorry. I just coming from other industries. Um, it again feels like uh, I did some work in the travel industry for a while. Did some work in financial services, and so sort of, you know, creating those those big standards-based uh, data exchange efforts. I've seen. You, you know what it's like. Um, like you said, uh, previous ones in, in healthcare. It's it's gonna affect things slowly and be kind of painful, uh, I, I would imagine. Um, just financial services kind of going through that, trying to figure out how to describe a centralized uh, schema for just any kind of financial product and things like that. So it, it, it's difficult. It, it has happened in financial industry, you know, like SWIFT, you know, and so it, it has, it's very slow to come, but it does happen, so hopefully um, well, I, I know the National uh, Healthcare Affordability Act of 2022 is going to require that providers, you know, e EMR vendors, uh, physicians, what have you, are going to have to achieve some level of this fire compliance. So FHIR, uh, take a look at it. That that'd be great. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna have a big impact on the industry. I think. I mean, even even exchanging data around social determinants and things like that. There's just no standard in place. Everyone's doing it differently. So I know these initiatives are good to solve that problem, but also a big challenge on their own. I say let's light it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, you know we are coming to uh, end of our discussion. I just wanted to summarize, in in terms of. Uh, what we uh, had a conversation here, we started with, you know, a lot of the applications, infrastructure, they have all moved to cloud. I think it's, it's, it's the time for data, the day for time for data analytics to be in the cloud and kind of innovate and, uh, and drive a lot of business changes, digital transformation for companies like HealthFest. And the kind of outcomes you've achieved, you've talked about identifying fraud, you've talked about, you know, repeat patients and others that are happening. I think, uh, Shail, you talked a little bit about uh, what, what's the future look like in terms of uh, where data is going. And I think it was a wonderful conversation with all of you. I thank you for attending the session and all the best for the day. Thank you. Thank you.